Ladies and gentlemen, hunters and huntresses, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Come on now. Hunt is on, looking for backstraps, way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield, under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky-tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps. This is the show where we talk all things hunting and country music. From the classics through today, from big bucks to bull elk, we've got it all. Welcome to Boots and Backstraps, everyone. I am your host, Shane Michael, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and country music legend, Tomcat. Come on now. How are we doing, TK? I'm doing wonderful. Good to see you, Shane. Me too. Episode one. I'm excited, boy. I tell you, I like to thank all of you for joining us. And uh, we're here today. And uh, I don't know. I don't think you're nervous, are you? No. Nah. We've done a lot of crazy stuff in our lives. We, we both have stood on stages in front of tens of thousands of people and told jokes and kept the party going. This is pretty laid back. Yeah. And you forgot to add, quite often making idiots out of ourselves. That's, that's <laughs> part of the protocol when you're an MC for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for folks that don't know, what are we doing with this whole thing? Yeah. Well, we're here uh, to have fun. Uh, most of the people you know, and most of the people that I know like country music mm-hmm. and, uh, and most of them are hunters, right? Two of our favorite topics. I know it's two of your favorite topics and certainly two of my favorite topics. Topics. <laughs> taco Tuesday, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Taco Tuesday. Um, I love hunting and I love country music. So here we are. And we thought we'd uh, share some of our insight. We certainly have a lot of friends and acquaintances in the hunting industry and in the country music industry. And we're going to bring country music celebrities to our show. Right. We're going to bring hunting celebrities. Personalities. Personalities. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we've got some very, very colorful personalities coming up. When I think of some of them, I just laugh. Right. The, the Elk Whisperer is going to be with us. Yep. Excited about that. Um, I am excited because he's really nervous about it. But, you know, it's just sitting around uh, having a beer and talking hunting and country music, which we all love. We're missing something, though, Tom. Yeah. Don't you feel like we are? I think I'm going to let you go ahead with that. I was just going to say, it wouldn't be right for you and I in sitting down having a conversation like this if we didn't have whiskey involved, right? I'm telling you, you know, I used to think I invented drinking. (laughs) 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 I couldn't believe that I found out that it was, it's been around long before I ever joined the earth. But during the Rowdy Cowboy Show for uh, 35 years, we certainly partook in uh, a fair amount. A fair amount. I think we fair. kept uh, Jack Daniels in business Thank for you, about Joe. a decade. I'm I'm thinking so. <laughs> oh, and Coors Light. And speaking of Jack Daniels, look at our selection for the day here, TK. What do we got? Looks to me like a Jack Daniels uh, single barrel. Yeah, Jack Daniels single barrel. It's uh, one of my personal favorites. To our inaugural show. To our inaugural show and our friendship. And sorry. our friendship and our, 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 our new and old hunting uh, stories that we're going to share with you and to all the great guests we're going to have on here. By the way, we have a great one today, and we'll talk about him in just a minute. But Get some whiskey, here's to yeah. all of you. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. It's as good as I remember it. <laughs> it's been so long. 
Speaking of guests and TK, you, uh, you absolutely nailed it. We could not have started this thing off better than who we've got in studio for our first guest today. You know, we, we talked about, or you talked about the fact that we're talking about country music and we're talking about hunting and that kind of thing. And we have a guest that is at the top of the food chain for both sides of this conversation. <laughs> so I'm super excited to have uh, in studio with us today or for us to have in studio. But before I get to that, I want to just give a quick shout out to our team because this is yeah. the first episode and we'll have some credits, but I think it's really important because we've worked so hard to get this thing off the ground to give them some credit where credit's due. Yep. So first and foremost, uh, we just saw Jill in here. She's our studio manager. So she's kind of keeping everybody happy and making sure that the guests are doing what they're supposed to be doing and getting stuff turned in on time, all that kind of thing. So yep. Jill Franco and uh, our producer, the queen bee, the one that's really in charge, the one wearing the, the boss pants for this whole thing, Danny Geo Productions, Danny George. And then, of course, our statistician, the guy that's on the fly back there with the computer and contributing to make sure that we remember throughout the episodes that not everyone listening will know exactly what we're talking about. Because sometimes we've got people that are listening in, <laughs> in the video format, which we have. And we've got some, uh, you know, people that are on iTunes or Google Play, things like that, that are the audio version only. So we got Killer Kyle back there. On the and mic. the people that know us best know that quite often... We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. And we never claim to be real professionals, did we're we? We're winging we, it, for sure. We just, uh, we like to have fun, that's for sure. And uh, our friends know that. And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest this this afternoon. Speaking of singing, singing, speaking of seeing or experiencing a thing or two, this guy uh, is an absolute rock star. So the owner of MinnesotaCountry.com and a founder and co-board member of the Minnesota Country Music, or sorry, Midwest Country Music Organization. Let's uh, welcome in the studio, Ryan Pilgrim. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Ryan, we're, nice we're to have you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I forgot today. Yeah, he's not alone, though. You're, <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting off the hook. I forgot Boots, too, in my rush to get out the door this morning. But Ryan, man, we're, we're on, on, absolutely honored to have you here, man. The, the fact that you have been such an avid hunter for so long and the fact that you are so tied into not just the local country music scene but the national country music scene so we're super pumped to have you yeah well first off thanks for the invite i appreciate it um when you called me the other day and asked if i'd be interested he thought me, i was gonna try and sell him soap <laughs> it, 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 it took me about um about 0.3 seconds to decide on uh whether or not i want to be a part of the first episode and it was a 100 percent yes so <laughs> yeah um I, I appreciate that and this place that you you guys aren't aren't messing around. As soon as I walked in, I I saw that um, you're definitely set up for a a real pro production, and uh, this this place is pretty badass. So thank you very much for yeah for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, I when I saw your truck pulling, and I thought I said to my wife Lynn, I said, I think Burt Reynolds is pulling in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, must be Burt Reynolds or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though he's passed, uh, God rest probably, his soul. Not yeah. really that bright but <laughs> no he's he's good it's good ryan tell us about your organization well no we're, we're gonna start off with some hunting stuff tk okay let's let's do it yeah we have a lot probably to say about the music side yeah okay so maybe we'll start with the with the hunting stuff and uh you know I, everyone in the local scene obviously knows about you and music and that kind of thing but maybe i mean some people obviously know you hunt but maybe not as many people know that you hunt so why don't we start with sure. you telling us about how you got interested in hunting and like that kind of how that got into your life, how you got started with it. Yeah. Well, I've been around hunting literally since I've 
since I've been born. Um, my dad's a taxidermist. We we'll won't ask you how old you are. We don't do yeah. that. <laughs> how old are you? 39. Ah, there he goes. <laughs> He's half your age, TK. <laughs> Damn near. <laughs> so, so I've been around hunting my, my entire life. Like I said, my, my dad's a taxidermist. Um, he and his, his brothers grew up hunting, so they've been around it their entire life. So, you know, it was one of those things that um, was always prevalent, I guess, is the is the right word to say uh, when I when I was growing up. Like and you didn't have a choice. You're going to be a hunter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hunting and fishing, right? Is fishing right. all summer. And then when from, you know, September to, to December, it was all all hunting. And then it'd switch over to fishing for, for ice fishing after uh, after December and then roll into fishing in the spring and then start hunting again in the, in the fall. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I don't know if I want to say how, young I was when I got my first gun, but it was single digits. Um, you know, when I had my first 22 and we'd go out squirrel hunting, yeah. uh, my dad would take, take us out squirrel hunting and, um, get started with that. And then have you, hold on a second now. Have you eaten squirrel though? Oh yeah. A bunch of times. Oh, and it good. Yeah, it actually is. It's, it's really super good. Super tender. Yep. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. My nephew, um, you know, kind of grew up the same way that my brother and I did. So same thing started, started out hunting squirrels and, the rule always is if you if you shoot something you got to eat it. Yep. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. It's and, a good rule. And so, uh, you know, we he loved hunting squirrels, and so we would eat squirrels for you know a couple meals in the fall because he liked hunting. So, and as long as he would eat them too, um, you know that again the rule is if, if you're going to shoot something you got to eat it. So that that's kind of how I started. And then when when we were kids, you know the the hunting age was twelve, right? Now yep. now it's ten. And I know in some of the southern states, you see kids that are six or seven shooting deer. But for right. for us, it was twelve, and you know couldn't wait to hit that twelfth birthday. So that next fall that you that you were hunting, um, you get your red rider. Yeah, and the, the red rider me began. And so that's that's where my my first big game stuff came in. Um, my the first deer I actually shot was a, a mule deer doe out in Montana. Wow. We have a, a ranch that we hunt on. And I, I've been going out there since I, you know, again, since I was in single digits. Um, my dad met. These are like friends of your family then? So my dad and uh, his brother were up elk hunting in the mountains of Montana and met. There, there was an older gentleman who was um, camping up there by himself. And he had, it, it was, the weather wasn't great and he was struggling a little bit. So they stopped to help him. Okay. Just to be nice to help a, a fellow hunter. Yeah. Right? And it turned out that um, uh, Herb was the guy's name. His brother Willie owns a ranch out in Montana, and it's tens of thousands of acres. Wow. And um, it's a wonderful story. Yeah. That. So we got the invite, or my my dad uh, got the invite to um, to hunt antelope and mule deer on that ranch, and so we've been going out there ever since. So I've been going out to Montana since you know the the early nineties, um, and that's. Willie's Ranch is where I shot my my first deer. We back in that um, in those days, you could get two B tags. They're called you know yeah, mother B right. tags, where it's the doe only. So we went out there and um, I shot two does that trip, and then that was in the middle of October. And I can't even I can't do the math, so I don't know what year it was, but it was a long time ago. Where about in Montana? Where are you? Uh, Malta, Montana. Okay. So it's it's northwest of the Fort Peck Reservoir. Sure. Um, which is the 
the biggest. This um, guy's got a Rand McNally yeah. in his head, just so you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I know exactly where you're talking yep. about. And it, it, there's good animal hunting and decent mule deer hunting south yep. of the reservoir and, and kind of around the reservoir there. Charles um, Russell Wilderness. Yeah, yep. yep. There's good elk hunting there, too. Oh. Yeah, they have some giants out there. Got one. Really? Yeah, the problem <laughs> nice. with, with not, not to shift gears because, yeah. you know, this isn't like an elk-specific topic, but we um we talk all the time about the how tags have gotten out, outrageous ridiculous especially Stupid. for montana yeah, as a non-resident is it 1200 bucks now or yeah right for just... non-resident and you for those folks that are listening or watching this podcast that's the cost of purchasing the license which you need to hunt that animal in that state and if you don't have success in your hunt you don't kill the animal they're not giving your money back so you that's what uh, we hunters call eating tag soup right right yeah and that that's just to play the game you right. know that yeah. doesn't get you out there Right. Gas, lodging, everything else. Equipment. <laughs> yes. Get some money in equipment. <laughs> yeah, way way too much to count. Right. Um, right. But going back to what I was saying about my uh my, my first year of hunting, I think it was in it must have been ninety four. Okay. I, I think the fall of ninety four. And um so I shot my two mule deer does and obviously that was I was really excited about that and then got to hunt my first fall in Minnesota and um didn't see anything the first day it's, when you were hunting uh for your uh to your mule, mule deer hunt was yep. that archery or was it rifle rifle okay and i actually used a, a ruger mini 14 so like wow. the first the first assault rifle assault assault rifle. yeah <laughs> rifle if you will that's yeah uh, sure that's what i shot my um my first first year with was that's a 223 the ruger mini 14 223 yep yeah i don't know if we still have that gun or not but um that is an is a nice little gun. Yeah. And then And you had success with it, sounds like? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. One Nothing shot. Nothing like Montana. Time. Oh, it's it's, it's awesome unfortunate that it's gotten to be you know, I, I used to emcee the grand opening of uh some Cabela stores. Yep. And I would meet a lot of people at the door. Long story, but met a gentleman from uh Montana and I just Go ahead, go long story. I'm gonna have a little more Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, I hear just this. being neighborly, I said, "Boy, someday I'd like to live in that state." And you know, truer words were never spoken. He looked at me, yeah, you and everybody else. So you could tell. One of the reasons their tags are so high is the locals just hate the influx of people. They move to Montana or they live in Montana because they like the isolation and uh, not so isolated anymore. Hey, right. Kyle, can you real quick just pull up what the we got Killer Kyle on the old Google machine in there. What is a non-resident elk, elk tag in Montana for 2021? Be curious to know what that is while we're talking about it. But go ahead, Tom. I don't remember what I was talking about. No. I'm you're saying, Jack you're, Daniels. You're saying that, <laughs> that the locals don't like the influx. Yeah, they really don't. And, you know, uh, Idaho, Montana, Utah, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, you know, they're, they've got this massive, massive influx of people from california right i know coeur d'alene i have family in coeur d'alene idaho and 30 years ago there was a huge influx of people from california and that hasn't slowed down a bit and you watch the if you if any of our viewers have seen the the series yellowstone with kevin costner great show it's uh most of the city stuff is uh, filmed out of bozeman and we ran into a local coming out of Montana on our bear hunt this last fall. And he was telling us that like anyone that's from Montana calls Bozeman, Bozangeles now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, it's wow. crazy. You know, it's, 
I, I've seen bumper stickers. Uh, if you're from LA, leave your politics at home. <laughs> well, th that's the big thing, right? There's yeah. when pe when people move in and then the <laughs> Montana folks, and same with Texas now too, right? It's, right. You Texas and Montana, they have their their set ways and have no issues with people moving in, but trying to change their don't, politics don't, and yeah, their way of life. Don't bring your your not to get into politics, but don't bring your your politics with you you know yeah that's, yeah that's what makes these states great hey shane they are. yeah what we got uh looking at this and it's showing effective march 20 uh march 1st 2020 so they're not showing anything for 2021 at this point yeah, but license fee yeah. one thousand eighty nine dollars fifty cents <laughs> i guess i was a little older i knew it was about eleven hundred dollars yeah. that's still can you believe that like and and as i said before you don't get it back if you don't have success yeah. right and it's not guaranteed success that's a mortgage payment for some people. It, well, yeah, you say it's is. not guaranteed success. Success rates very low. Yeah, for elk hunting, for public land especially. Yeah, you know, ten percent, thirty percent, or something. Oh no, it's not even that high. Used to be thirty percent. I don't know what it is now. It might be ten percent statewide or something well, like that. I, I think the bull success rate is lower than the cow success. Oh right. Now. So yeah, if you point. if you bring everything in together, I think it's probably around thirty percent still. But I think the bull success rate is around between 10 and 15 or yeah 10, they're getting smarter yeah exactly <laughs> well i understand uh shane and ryan you know it's really really expensive there's pros and cons of it if you look at it from the dnr point of view they're getting cuts from the government they need to make money to sustain what they're doing i get that plus they're actually kind of trying to discourage a lot of non-residents to come to their state because the residents don't like all of us hunters coming there. So if they get the price up, well, then they're happy to get that money. Uh, but what about the, and we can talk about this, what about the fact that everyone's trying to get hunter retention and are trying to get young kids into hunting? Well, with the license fees gone right through the roof everywhere, I think Minnesota is one of the best at not jacking it up to great heights, and Wisconsin's not bad. But so many states have got their prices so high. How, how does a young guy that's maybe going to college or maybe just out of high school, how does he afford, you know, an $1,100 ticket to go to Montana? and Guy out? or gal. Guy, guy or gal. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Guys or the Producer women. Danny with the quick catch. That's right. Yeah, hunters hunters and huntresses. It's tough. You almost, you know, at that age, um, I, I think it's, one of two things, right? You either have to stick to your home state, which mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. the New Mexico. Which is tough if you like elk meat in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. For, for example, New Mexico non-resident elk tag, I think is $875 oh. for the mature bull. Um, the the resident tag, I think is $75. Right. Which is, right. I mean, that that's how it should be for the resident side. Absolutely. I think, I think they jack up the, uh, the non-resident, like, you know, as you're saying, but it's, you either have to have parents that will take you out there. Yep. And that can afford it, mm -hmm. um, and or, or stick to your your home state. And the unfortunate part now with with tags as expensive as they are, a lot of middle class families. I mean, you can't afford to. Could you imagine three elk tags? No, no. I mean, that's thirty thirty three hundred dollars, right? For I have three Montana. sons, yeah. so I'm doing this math. Yeah, <laughs> and every fall. Oh, yeah. I mean, between I mean, my three boys and me. I'm at four grand plus in tags alone. Yeah, and that that's not including gear, like you were saying, mm -hmm. or getting out there. I mean, that's at, at the end of the day, just to just a hunt for for three of you would be five or six grand after you 
factor in fuel and food. Yeah, it's a tough and, deal, boy. They want young people to get more into hunting. And I think one of our saving graces, um, well, first of all, and I think any hunter out there will agree with me, uh, and I am not the sharpest tack in the box, but women uh, joining the leagues of uh, hunters is a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Because the anti-hunters have a tough time picking on the mother of uh, somebody's children. When she's trying uh, to, like, fill her freezer to feed absolutely. her family. Absolutely. Right? Uh, women in hunting and uh, the trap leagues in the high schools these days, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, all the trap leagues are so successful, and that's typically and can be one of the first steps into a young person in high school getting involved in whether it's duck hunting, pheasant hunting, grouse hunting, uh, whatever it is, goose hunting. And uh, those are great, great deals. But uh, these prices on the tags, getting back to that, it's tough. It's impossible for right. the mass kids, the mass of youth, to get involved with hunting with the prices so high for licenses. So they need the money, the DNRs, they need the money. They want young people to get involved with hunting. It's a catch twenty two. I don't know how I don't know what the solution is, quite frankly. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. The other challenge is that if you're you look at how you get around or or what the the direction that that expensive tag takes you in is you either are looking for private land, right? Like yep. you guys have. Yep. So that you have a greater chance of success, or you're doing kind of, you know, what the group that I'm with is doing and you're training harder before the hunt to go further into the mountains or the woods or whatever, then the lay hunter will be willing to go to have a better chance. Well, it, that's a hundred percent the way it is for elk hunting for us, whether it's in Montana or, or New Mexico, it is, um, you know, you're, you're walking further than, than anybody else yeah. because that's, that's how you get to the areas where they're not going to be other hunters. And even we, we hunt every year for whitetail down in Kansas, archery hunt. Nice. And, and we hunt state land down there and it's walk-in only. And we, you know, walk in a mile or more um, each way <laughs> yeah. just to get to our stands. And that's, um, again, so that we can try to get to a spot where you're not going to have other hunters walking in on you. Sometimes you do, which everybody has the right to, to hunt any state land. Um, I'm completely fine with that. Well, and um, Bivy's gotten popular more lately, yep. the Bivy pack hunting. Yep, yep. And so it's... Like you're saying, it's getting ready and, and training and allowing yourself to walk those those distances. Because um, then when you get an animal back there, you got to get them out. <laughs> hey, Shane. Yeah, you got an extra 50 to 75 pounds on your back trying to come back out. Shane, question for you. Yeah. You said bivy pack. What is that? So the, there's a few different philosophies, right, right, when it comes to hunting. Yep. You got sort of like your base camp hunter where you have a, a tent or you've got a, even some people use like an RV or a camper. Yep. And you're coming back to that same spot every night. And then you've got this sort of modern version of the kind of stock and go bivy pack where this bivy pack is a small version of a tent. that's almost like a sleeping bag that's got a, a, a sort of like canopy attached to it. Yep. And so you're literally just packing that on your back. So you're going out in the mountains a few miles and you're hunting in that area. It starts to get dark. You stop literally in that spot. You find a good spot to kind of set up and you take this bivy pack, which is, again, just like a giant sleeping bag with a canopy attached to it, create kind of a little personalized tent. And you you stay the night there, have your food and stuff there. And then the next morning you get up and you repeat the process. Yeah, it's, it, that's exactly a, way, a good way to explain it. It's everybody has a base camp and then some sometimes you'll just go as far as you can and it allows you to 
get out further from base camp yeah every day um, cast your net a little further yeah exactly because you got to go where the, the animals are right yep they don't just walk up to you ryan i wish <laughs> it'd be nice if it was that easy right especially the giants right 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 seven by seven <laughs> yeah where you at <laughs> like a 400 class bull time just comes walking up to you yeah and then you're shaking like not like a lifetime yeah, there we go. so i got on the screen there a few examples of those baby packs you were talking about yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. So you get, for the folks that are on um, one of the audio-only platforms, Kyle pulled up some photos here off the little Google machine, and it shows exactly what we're talking about, where you got that sort of sleeping bag with a canopy attached to it. So it's really just a one-person tent, essentially, but it's attached to the sleeping bag just for the sake of making it easier for setup, teardown, and carrying out. And if you can't afford one of those, you can do what I used to do, is you put a blue tarp in your backpack and a rope. Yep. And you string the rope from tree to tree, and you make a little tent, and <laughs> he'd be right next to warm. Davy. He'd be right next to Davy Crockett. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Davy, your hat's in the way. <laughs> Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh. oh, that's fantastic. Well, the so te the technology is pretty cool these days. It yeah. is. It's it's amazing, and and really it speaks to what we're talking about when you have these outrageous prices for stuff. You got to figure out better ways to get to the animals and have better success. Well, in kind of what what tom was mentioning earlier um about more and more women getting into the um into hunting which is great and shooting sports whether it's Absolutely. hunting or just just shooting um when you mentioned the trap shooting in high schools they didn't have that when we were around no right. i wish they did because that, that's awesome that, oh, that yeah, kids get to, get to do that but i know what i would excel in <laughs> yeah right but the, we can't talk about that on the show this is pg-13 tom <laughs> <laughs> the higher end hunting um, companies are making gear specific uh, to women. So first light, that's that's what I wear. Uh, Those guys are that, great. That's all the all my hunting stuff is first light, and they allow you the technology. You know, it's all merino wool, so you can bring two two changes of clothes and make it out three or four days, which is fine. I mean, that's merino wool is unbelievable. The, the shirt that I'm wearing right now is merino wool. Really? Yeah. It it. Uh, it's moisture wicking. It's better than Under Armour and the synthetic stuff, and it doesn't smell. It's and I've I've tested oh. it out. Um, when we, yeah, clearly. When, when we were in Montana, I was gonna say you don't smell right now, yeah, bro. Right? Which is good. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, can we make this couch yeah. bigger? <laughs> but I I had never heard of it until a couple of years ago. Um, I bought all I bought five sets of Under Armour, uh, lowers and uppers, um, yeah. base layer, or, or bottoms and uppers, and um, my uncle was up and hunting and he said that he has first light and i said what's that and he told me about it and yeah. luckily i'd only opened one of the one of my under armor sets so i i took four of them back and then i bought two sets of of first light and as and a test run kind of thing yeah because you really only need to like for, for under armor that stuff smells so bad after you wear it yes you, you, it have, to, you have to i change agree it but but uh merino wool doesn't and i tested it out in montana we were antelope hunting we were in the, out there in the middle of October, and it was 70 degrees when we were out there. And I wore the same shirt four days in a row, and that's sweating. So you're thinking, I'm going to be funky. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't smell at all. It was crazy. Wow. And after that, I go, okay, yep, this stuff is legit. And I, I just wanted to test it out just to see if it would actually, you know, hold water to um, to what they say it does. And, yeah, it was, after that, I was 100% sold. And how is First Light, you know, because I don't own any First Light, how are they priced comparatively to some of the other big brands? So, like so, Sitka is kind of like the most expensive, right? First Light and Sitka are very similar. Okay. First Light, Sitka, Kuyu. Kuyu, those, yeah. those three are, I mean, uh, a base layer shirt 
at first light is 80 bucks a short sleeve shirt long sleeve shirt is 100 bucks oh for base layer yeah and that's just the lightweight stuff yeah and when you were talking about how many how much money i have in gear i i have more than just you the, need a calculator <laughs> i do the math in my truck when i'm hunting you know down in kansas i go god if somebody would break into my truck i'd lose like three thousand dollars worth of gear just in the stuff that i have on me right that now. you're wearing <laughs> and that's in my pack yeah. you know if it's binox and range finders and right. my bow and then right. clothes and all that stuff yeah in my pack but yeah it's expensive but the the difference is too you know for buying under armor you have to buy five sets yeah right and so that might be 50 bucks uh a, a piece first light is 100 but you only have to buy two or three yeah and it and it lasts um you know i, I i've had stuff that's seven or eight years years old Hey, Ryan. Yeah. I was curious if you could explain this picture for us, please. That's a beautiful kuyu. Yeah. So, uh, kudu. Kudu, yeah. <laughs> we, we went, my, you just heard it. You just heard it. <laughs> my uncle and I, uh, my uncle had been to Africa, I want to say 10 or 11 years ago. And I think it was eight years ago. He asked me if I wanted to go. It was like an archery hunt. I see your bow. Yeah. So it's strictly archery. We were in, um, South Africa. We flew into Johannesburg. And drove four hours north into the Limpopo province. Okay. And so we were hunting right on the border of South Africa and Botswana. Wow. So where I shot that that this kudu, um, it was I want to say a mile from Botswana, from the Botswana border. Um okay. this is a fifty one inch kudu, which for those of, of you who know um kudu and, and how they score, fifty one is a is a pretty big kudu. Yeah, yeah. especially for for archery hunting it's a really impressive um, rack so yeah <laughs> yeah and, and it's it's cool uh kudu if you look down the their horns how they spiral mm -hmm. you can see uh like right down the the horns you spiral it right down yeah down ah, it's, cool. it's pretty cool because when they're fighting when they put their horns down they can look up and see through that uh that that circle and see when they're fighting which is like a peep cool. site right yeah that's yeah, amazing crazy so yeah, yeah. I've seen photos of that. It is pretty cool. It's a perfect. Kyle, do you want to pull up the Eland picture quick from Africa, please? Well, I'll, I'll talk about all these. Um, was, was this all here. part of the same trip? Yeah, we were over there for 14 days. So tell what well, he's doing that. Tell us how like this came about. Like you get was, this call or something? Or? So my uncle asked if I was interested in going to Africa. And I said, yeah, 100%. Like, oh, I don't know. Let me think about That'd it. Be awesome. <laughs> so you have to set it up a year in advance. Okay. Right? So we went. In the, we went in August, okay. and we had everything planned the the previous August, because you have to book the outfitters, you have to get all your flights and all that stuff lined up. I mean, it's it's not it's not cheap to to go over there. Um, but and then you have to you just have to plan for everything and, and prepare. So it's uh, it, it's definitely a year, at least a year, planning. And a lot of times it's two years because you have to save up money. Mm-hmm. Cause you have to put deposits down on everything a year in advance yeah. and then buy everything and then, um, and then pay the rest when you get down there. But this, this animal right here is an Eland. And when I shot this, this was the number two Eland in the world, um, that, that I shot for the Safari club record books, but this is an 1800 pound animal. This is the biggest planes game animal in the world. How did you, I got to hear this whole story of this Eland, especially how did you, Tell me about the hunt. Like I want you, cause I'm like, I'm geeked about this right now. I got to tell you, man, you know, as a, an avid hunter, I get excited about all the aspects of the hunt. So like they say today we're hunting Eland. Is it like, well, you, 
they have so many it's it's crazy hunting over in africa versus hunting here when you hunt here you're when you hunt for whitetails you maybe see you'll see some whitetails you might see a grouse you might see a coyote or a fox or something but that's yeah. usually it right out west you can maybe get an elk or mule deer when you're hunting yeah over there you'll see 15 different species in at the same time because we hunt over water holes okay and so they all come in to to drink and you so like these are blinds yeah okay yep. And um, you're testing out your first light sweating in the blind. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have first light back at that point, but um, you're funky, man. Yeah. Everyone's but, like, who's the smelly guy? <laughs> and is there, they do laundry for you every day. Oh, we're in the lot. You're in a really nice lodge. And they okay. yeah, they do laundry for you every day. But um, they you, you let them know what you what you're looking for, what you want to hunt. And they will have specific areas on their land that okay like the eland herd usually goes to this section or whatever so if you tell them that you want to hunt an eland they'll put you in a blind and and then you literally just um sit there and wait and wait until they come in some days they'll come in sometimes they won't you know yeah. it's i mean it's, yeah. it's 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 hunting right so um there, there's no guarantees but you'll see giraffes impala ostriches baboons elands <laughs> springbuck um waterbuck kudu all, all all in the same sit. It's crazy. So you're just hanging out, and this eland just comes. You're locked. You're on a water hole, I assume. Yeah, and it wasn't just one eland. It was thirty or forty, and so they they all come in, and you have to wait until when a herd like that rolls in. You have to wait until you know it clears, so you can get a shot without um, hitting two at the same time. Yeah, um, or the one and, you're not aiming yeah, for because right. yeah. they're just packed in there, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's. Uh, so luckily that one came in. Um, he was he was by himself and drinking, and he was kind of quartered towards me. Okay. And I, I had to wait. Quartered in a little bit. Yeah, I, I waited till he he stepped forward and kind of opened up oh, his yeah. shoulder. Um, Showed you the rib cage. So the crazy thing is the animals in Africa, you have to aim a different way than you do for mm -hmm. for whitetails. So oh. whitetails, you know, you aim up behind the leg, right right behind the leg, behind the shoulder. Um, if you do that in Africa, you'll miss, you'll miss the vitals. The vitals are straight up the leg, so okay. you have to shoot a lot far for the a Covered lot for the bone. Well, the bone the bone structure in Africa, there the bones go up and then they like curl around. Right, so right. that pocket you can still right up the leg. You you hit that pocket and there's no bone there. Where on a whitetail, straight up the leg, you hit that that shoulder joint right. and you're you know, yeah. arrow may or may not make it through. Yeah, yeah, that's and as you keep talking about the philosophies of hunting we don't hunt to wound right yeah exactly you're hunting to harvest and, and in preparation for that trip um i shot my bow i'd say you know 10 to 12 shots a day for three months leading yeah. up to that and i got so good that i could hit three shots you know touching at 20 yards that's with, awesome. without a, without an issue i'm not that good anymore because i just i'm at practice and I, I need to get back to that um but then i also had to i bought a book that specifically shows all the vitals for the for the animals in there to study on where you you know where the the lungs are and and where you want to make the shot on those animals because over in africa every t every animal you shoot you have to pay a trophy fee for yep and you if you draw blood you pay a trophy fee so for like a kudu for example you pay twenty one hundred dollars whether you retrieve that animal or not Okay, so you got to make sure it shot counts. So that's why I practice. <laughs> yeah, and that's a lot of money. And to, then you uh, have to have them uh, mounted. Yeah. And then you have to have them shipped to America. Yep, it's it was an expensive hunt. Yeah, tell us. Go ahead and tell us. Tell us the prices of 
I'm sure Uh-oh, they have. Here we go. Each place has their. Uh, he might need a tissue. Yeah, right. <laughs> they have I their own taxidermists over there, and so they'll ship it to you. We, being that my dad's a taxidermist, right? We we brought all of our stuff back on. Um, oh, you did. Yeah, just in crates. But overall, the trip I think was about fifteen grand. <sighs> um, and that was it. Cost twelve hundred bucks just to ship the animals back. Mm-hmm. So that's that's twelve hundred there. I mean, the flights were two grand. The lodging was, I think, three hundred bucks a day, um, and then you when, get your your when, guide, right? Yeah, the, the lodging and guide is included, right? So, like, that's that's three hundred bucks a day. But we were there for fourteen days, um, and then your trophy fees on top of that. So, once you get over there, you can spend as much or as little money as you want. And when I got over there, I started flinging arrows, and in the first, I think, six days, I had six animals down. And I go, what all I'm did like, you knock down? I, go, I gotta stop. I had to cut myself off from hunting because I go, <laughs> my checkbook can't afford this. I had, to, I had to borrow money from my uncle. Oh, here we go. Here's another yeah. one. So that that was the number one spring buck in the world uh, when I shot it. This is all the same trip. Yeah. How did you just come across like number one, number two? Well, they they score them and then you look them up on on the Safari Club International. The most amazing. So, and I never registered any of mine with SCI just because I got lazy and didn't do it. But when I looked it up and I could see my score and then see what it was am i looking at a recurve uh no that's a excalibur crossbow oh so it, I it, see. it is a recurve yeah yeah uh, yeah but yeah it's an it's an excalibur crossbow i got gotcha. you what is what is sci safari club international that's the i'd say like probably the biggest hunting organization in the world maybe yep right i agree yeah and they score animals because boone and crockett does not score certain animals right but uh safari club does they refer to them as exotics yeah they don't yep. ex- they don't score uh, yep. exotic and, and safari clubs i think a little when it comes to deer and elk they don't deduct they don't deduct exactly right. that's what i was trying to shoot out of my mouth there yeah. and so after six days um <laughs> you're uh, starting to feel like that pocket's well, light <laughs> yeah and uh, like i said I, this was back we had to bring cashier's checks this was before really electronic payments were a thing right right so, I had to they didn't bo- take Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, I had to borrow money from my uncle. I go, hey, hey Todd, can I borrow a couple grand so I can buy so I can shoot some more animals? And uh, <laughs> and he gave me that. So, um, but I had to take a break from hunting. So we actually went golfing one day on one of the the ranches over there. Um, one of the owners, his nephew, was a really good golfer and was trying to make the PGA. So he built a golf course for him, a PGA golf course on his land. What? And it was right on the Botswana border. So the I think it's the, the Limpopo River splits South Africa and Botswana. And so we went golfing one day because I'm like, I'm, I can't, I have, to, I have to cut myself off from shooting animals. Otherwise, I, <laughs> yeah, I'll go broke. Right. And so our, our professional hunter and his wife and I and another guy, the four of us went golfing and on the golf course, did they, you have sticks with you, or you just no, brought somebody else's no, clubs? No, they, they they golf all the time over there. You know. Okay, I was and, like, you just brought golf no, clubs with you to Africa. So I, I just I just used a random set just yeah. just for fun, and yeah. you know, we were just kind of screwing around and drinking beers and stuff. Yeah. Um, but on the golf course over there, they have a they have science beware of the hippos because hippos <laughs> are the most dangerous animal in Africa. I mean, they kill more people than in the are. world, right? I don't. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I and they're pretty they, dangerous. So, and you can see the hippos in the river just as you're golfing and then saw wart warthogs running across the fairways and stuff. I mean, it's, it's crazy golfing. It's a very cool experience to be able to, to golf in Africa on a hundred. I know the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous animal in the world, but I think hippos have got the honor of uh, the most dangerous. 
they've killed more people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every year, I think they yeah. they kill the most people in Africa. They're the they're mean. They are. Um. Yeah. And, and they're big. Yeah, they're huge. Have you ever seen, at the Deer Classic two years ago? There's one of the purveyors there had a booth and he had a hippo skull. It's prehistoric. I mean, the teeth. Right. The two bottom teeth are literally this long. Huh. It's you, just amazing. But you can see when they get mad, and they can. I think they can run a short burst up to twenty or thirty miles an hour, or something like that, when they charge. Yep. I mean, you don't have a chance. Right. Well, I tell you what, guys. Uh, as much as I hate to break up the talk of animal hunting, we're going to need to just get to a quick break here, and to have a word from our sponsors. But when we come back, Ryan, we're going to get into all things music, man, because I know this is something you're so passionate about. Heck yeah. And so uh, I'm pumped to get into all that with you, too. Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back. If you would like to sponsor the Boots and Backstraps podcast or you have an interest in joining our team, send us an email to bootsandbackstraps at gmail.com. When we last left you, Ryan was giving us his uh, exploits of knocking down animals and writing fat checks in uh, Africa. Yep. But we got to shift gears now, TK. I'm on it, man. I'm excited. Well, as much as I love hunting, uh, country music and hunting, the right both i mean country music was such a big part of my life and uh even though i'm retired now i might be coming out of retirement for the we fest again nice. uh oh that's what the rumors are that i'm hearing who knows but i love country music and uh ryan you are involved with country music yep please tell us about your organization uh this is not about me today this is all about you yeah why don't we go back Let's get in the way back machine for a minute. Yep. And tell us how you got interested in. I mean, obviously, growing up, you probably listened to country. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, how your sort of fandom took off as you got into adulthood and all that. Yeah, it started again. You know, back when I was a kid, my my parents listened to John Denver, um, Johnny Cash, all that's you know all those the the old school uh, country artists, and we'd be taking road trips every summer out to out west. We'd go visit you know Yellowstone or um, Four Corner National Park, all, just all all sorts of different badlands, all sorts of different stuff out west. Every we take a week every year. My mom was a teacher, so she had the summers off, um, and we had cassette tapes back in the day. So that's that's what we would listen to. Um, he doesn't mean eight tracks; <laughs> he means like actual cassette yeah. tapes. And and then when when I got into what do you mean they don't have eight tracks anymore? Good luck finding a player. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going for a lot of money on eBay right now. Actually. Right, yeah, right exactly. Tapes. But so it started, you know, back then. And then when I got into um, high school and college, I kind of veered away from country music. But once I got, once I got out of college, uh, I started or my last year or two of college, I started listening to to more country music, um, and went to 
we fest a couple times back in the day and then yeah. that kind of that for that kind of kicked it off and uh put it into hyperdrive and it's i don't know <laughs> do you remember the years you were there yes so 2001 or 2002 was my first okay. first year that i'd been to WeFest. do you remember days. who the headliners were i remember george Strait played sunday night it was yep. it was the uh it was the thursday to sunday yeah back then um and I believe, and Toby Keith was one of them as well. I think I went Saturday and Sunday. I, don't, I only went two days. I believe that year we also had Tim McGraw. I think so. Yeah. Yep. And because uh, I remember Toby Keith because it was right after, it was the summer after 9-11. Okay. And he played, uh, I think it's Angry American. Is that the, the song where it's, we'll put the a boot in your ass. ass. Yeah. It's the American. Best <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, obviously everybody just went nuts when he, when he played that song, but I remember that 50,000 people going yeah, crazy. <laughs> I remember that in George Strait. And then I, I went a, a couple of years after that. Um, and then maybe in like 2007 and then starting, I want to say in 2010, I've, I've been every year since then. Wow. So except last year, right? Uh, yeah. Right. Well, and I mean, last year was crazy for, for everybody. Yes. Right. But right, um, for WeFest in general, it was because people weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. And me, I, like selfishly, um, I was supposed to be in Tokyo for the Olympics this past summer. And so I was happy when the, they said WeFest wasn't going to happen because I go, all right, that's perfect. I don't have to miss WeFest because it's the same time that the Olympics were. Yeah. Um, but everything got canceled. So it, right. Like, yeah, it's an right. interesting story. Um, the new owners of the WeFest. Yeah, it's... Uh, seven years ago, I think it was seven years ago, uh, the, we sold the WeFest to uh, the Town, Town Square, Square Media yep. out of New Hampshire. and. Uh, it didn't fare well with them. That's all I guess I will say. I'll yeah, try and be a nice little way. diplomatic about yeah. it. Uh, it was it was a little different, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't want to burn any bridges or, or right. say anything bad, but it just, right. it wasn't the same as the previous no. ownership. It was, and it was nowhere near as good. No. Right. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they just recently sold to iHeartRadio or iHeart Festivals, and they decided when they bought it, and this is before Corona, they decided. We're not going to uh, do a WeFest next year. We're going to get our eggs in a row, or our ducks in a row, rather. And we're going to mend some bridges that were burnt. Yep. yep. And so they look like, uh, they come off looking like uh, rocket scientists because then all of a sudden the coronavirus hit, and they couldn't have done it anyway. Right. Yep. So kudos to them and good for them. And now this year they're starting it. And uh, what have we got? We got Blake Sheldon. uh it's a good lineup. Florida Georgia line, and I'm sorry, I can't. Is Carrie Underwood? I don't, I don't know. Maybe Killer I, Kyle I, on I, the I, Google I, machine. I Who are know. the headliners for WeFest yeah. 2021? I haven't been paying attention because again, I'm supposed to be in Tokyo this year if it if it happens. So I hadn't paid had paid, hadn't paid much attention to it. But yeah, um, I did see uh, FGL and, and Blake Shelton. Um, it and oh, I, I'm really, Dirk Bentley. Oh yeah, okay. Dirk Bentley is uh, the third headliner. That is correct. I've been oh, nice. uh, up on stage with Dirk Bentley at WeFest before. <laughs> is that is that right? Yeah. Is that true? I remember, that uh, I remember calling security. We had to escort <laughs> you out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I think we might have an actual pick of this. Look at this. Yeah. 
So again, for the listening audience that uh, don't have the video feed, we've got a picture of Ryan on stage with Dirk Bentley, and they're having a little conversation here. Yeah. I'll be darned. Was I he, do was he handing you a that. bush latte? Is that what that is? Bud, bud latte. Oh. Bud latte there. Uh, I, I had a sign. Did you feel like you were cheating? <laughs> cheating on queers? Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Nice boots. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish I'd had them. You know, that's a very classy outfit that I'm wearing there. I remember that. Boots. It's weird. Yeah, really? yeah. What's that guy doing out there? <laughs> yeah, so I had a sign um, that said uh, "Shotgun?" Question mark Daria, and I was in the third row, and he walked over in his second song, and it was a neon green sign, right? So I held the sign up, and it, he obviously saw me because you know just a little bit farther away than than TK and I are right now. Um, he goes, "Yep, gotcha." And he gave you the point. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and you're like, "It's on." <laughs> yeah, and he walked over. Dirksel never turned on a drinking challenge. <laughs> so he walked over and tapped the during his next song. Uh, tap the camera guy on the shoulder. He's like, get that guy on video. He goes, hold up your sign. So I held it up and he goes, you want a shotgun a beer? I go, yeah. He goes, all right, two beers. And so he had his <laughs> tournament. He's like, come on up here. So I went up there, had his tour manager bring two beers over and uh, shotgun to beer in front of 70,000 people uh, with, with Dirk Bentley. Who won? He crushed me. <laughs> but I will say, I've been, at that point, I had been drinking for 12 hours. Yeah, he probably and, hadn't had anything and yet. And my only goal was, don't throw up on the WeFest stage. <laughs> How bad would that have been? Oh, man. Right? You're talking about going from famous to infamous? Yeah, right. Not You're in a good way. Guy. Not in a good way. What a great guy, Dirk Spentley. It was the first time we had him there. He had just come out with, uh, what was the song? Free and easy down the road I go. Nope. No. What was I no, thinking? No, the first one. What, what, what was, was I thinking? thinking? Yeah, what was I thinking? Yeah. Okay. And he was uh, just standing on the side of the stage where I was standing. And... Uh, he was tuning the guitar and I said, Dirks, how are you? And he says, hi, I'm glad to be here and all that. And I said, I'm glad to see that you're in there doing your own guitars. And he says, yeah, well, someone's got to do it. It ain't going to get done by itself. I said, well, you keep writing songs like that and you'll have someone else tuning your guitar before long. And I think the next year he was, he, he had, had somebody tuning, he had a tech. He yes. had his own crew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He puts on a great show. I've seen him a few times. I was so impressed with his show. Uh, I don't know if he still does it, but, you know, he'd do that deal where he'd bring someone up on stage and he would get a little routine going with them. Then he'd have them cover their eyes and he's got a surprise for them. And he and the entire band would leave the stage and that person would stand there and stand there. And finally they'd go, what's going on? And they'd pull their eyes down and they'd turn around and they're the only person on the stage. And that stage happens to be the largest stage on the planet. Right. It's close to a, a football field big. I mean. It's and, huge. It, it is huge. <laughs> Can you imagine never being on stage and all of a sudden you're the only person on that stage? Right. I don't know. I thought the people I'd laughed. Freak out. I thought that was funnier than heck. <laughs> right. It's always funny when it's not you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Polish, so. I don't mind laughing at myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you can't laugh at yourself, right? You, yeah. you got to be able to do that. It's a, and it, I'll not to like interject your story here, yeah. right? But it's a wildly different animal being backstage. TK gave us some backstage passes one year. We went back there and it's just like this. It's like a hornet's nest of golf carts and people RVs working and yeah. people running around with like the headsets on. And it's crazy back there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. The backstage at, at WeFest yeah. is, it's, um, organized chaos. It is kind of right. It's, Absolutely, it's very, it's very organized. Yeah, but there's people running around everywhere. It's pretty and cool. The, to the see. people that work back there and some of the partners that always say, "Why would anyone want to come back here?" You know, everyone thinks it's the greatest thing in the world to get a backstage pass. 
there's just a, you know hundreds of people here working their butts off. Why would you want to come back? They think people must think, well, it's a big party back there. You're going to drink beer with the celebrities. It really doesn't work that way. No. Well, I will say, so at, at a festival, it's backstage at a festival is completely different than backstage at a concert. just a, a, just right. a concert. Because right. at, at a regular concert at the X or Target Center or wherever it is, that's a, I mean, that's what you're talking about where it's a, a big party. Backstage. You got to go there now, man. You, you pulled the lid off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the first time I'd ever been backstage at a concert was, yeah. Um, who was the show? Luke Bryan at uh U.S. Bank stadium. Did you have bling your jeans or did Luke? Uh, Luke definitely did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so I was with, um, I had bought VIP pit passes, uh, for a friend of mine and I drew, and then, uh, we went with Justin Fontaine and Eric Howell, and they were both playing for the Wild at that yep. time. Yeah, and so they were the ones who hooked up backstage. A couple passes. of forwards. Yeah, yeah. Howell yeah. ended up going to the Vegas Knights, right? Yep, for a couple of years, and uh, then he went down to Florida, and he's with Nashville right wow. now. Um, good player. Yeah, yep, really good player, and better guys, right? They're they're both super super cool guys, uh, both him and and Justin. Um, and so we had backstage passes and. We had no clue what we were, where we were going, what we were doing. Nobody at U.S. Bank Stadium did because that was the very first show at U.S. Bank Stadium. Was this so was the, the backstage pass? Is something you, you won that or you bought the no, backstage? No, no. The Eric and and Justin had that hooked up through the through the wild. Okay. Um, Luke's tour manager, I can't remember what his name was. I don't know if it was Evan. Or I, I can't remember the guy's name, but sure. he had hooked a handful of the guys up with backstage passes. And, oh, cool. And then we got in, included in that, and we get into the they call it the radio room. Yeah. Um, and there's two coolers of beer, any sort of alcohol you want, mixers, all that stuff, whatever. And we were the only four people back there at, at this point because we got there early. We're like, this is awesome. And then a bunch more people came back. We were playing flip cup backstage before the concert mm-hmm. and just having a good old time. Um, like and th- at this point, is Luke's not in there or they, no. any of the openers are in there? No. Okay. Because no. Dustin Lynch was the opener. We actually okay. had meet and greets for him. And uh, I've heard he's a good dude too. Yeah, he's, he's a super nice guy. Um, so at this concert, we were, again, sitting back there playing flip cup and just drinking and have a good, having a good old time. Uh, so then we'd go out and watch, watch the shows. Well, during Luke Bryan's show, I went back there to, to grab a beer. There's a bunch of people in there. I wasn't even paying any attention, right? I go into the cooler, grab a, grab a couple of beers, look up, and Little Big Town is standing right there talking right to- Right in front of you. Yeah, to uh, the K102 folks. Um, and I look up and I go, Hey guys, how's it going? And just, you know, sit there and talk with them for a little while. And then uh, I asked Karen Fairchild if I could get a, a picture with her. And is, is her husband Jimmy? Is that, I, I can't. I think yeah. so, yeah. And so I go, hey, Jimmy, can you take a picture of us? He goes, hold on a second. You want me to sit here and take a picture of you and my wife? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like and it ain't been done he, before. He goes, all right, sounds good. Here you go. Well so, played, man. Well so played. Then, um. Uh, yeah, just sat there and, and talked to him for a little bit and then went, went back out and continued to watch the concert. But that was my first backstage experience. And people, since that was the first concert at U.S. Bank Stadium, everybody's asking, how was it? You know, how were the lines and all that stuff? I go, my experience is different than everybody else's. I, I can't tell you because we had our own bathrooms, free beer, free alcohol, everything. So I'm like, yeah. It was awesome from my standpoint, but I don't know how everybody I'll work for everybody else. Not to like get into too much of the dirt, but I'm curious, yeah. like Erica and Eric and Justin, did they have a few drinks with you and like party a little bit? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Yep. That's good. We were all having a good time. Good. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Question for you. Cause you're talking hockey. 
Care to give us the background story on this picture? Uh oh. Yeah, so actually. So this is you doing what? Because you remember that like half of the people that are catching this podcast are on the audio platform. Yeah. So, so let's let's go back to the picture of me and Brantley Gilbert first, because that'll kind of kick it off. And it's it's kind of all one story that I'll that I'll share with everybody. Um, I got to do that with Brett Hedekin with the, when the uh, when the Hurricanes won. He's a St. Cloud guy, right? Yep. Or he, he went to St. Cloud State, I believe. Yep. Okay. Yep. Hetty, yeah. that's what they call them. There we go. You on stage with Brantley Gilbert. So this was, I, I can't remember what year it was. This might be 2014. Um, Brantley Gilbert. So he was, was just starting to get to be a big deal then. Yeah, well, he was, this was Saturday night. Uh, he was the second to last show. Zach Brown Band was after Ooh, Brantley. Okay. And uh, it had stormed really bad that afternoon. And so a lot of people left and weren't weren't watching the show, um, and I somehow got front row seat. So I was center stage, front row, and I was just having a a blast, right? Just jamming out and having a good time because this is the first time I'd been front row for anything. Yeah. And Brantley kept looking down. He, he you know, give me a thumbs up and and uh, do whatever when he when he was playing. And I saw him walk over to his tour manager in the corner, and he pointed over to the area where I was at. And then I saw him walk back out. And I go, he's got to be doing something over here. I don't know if he's going to give away a guitar or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so then the WeFest VIP, uh, or the, the WeFest security guys came over and they said, all right, they told everybody, Brantley Gilbert's going to come down here. So we're clearing some people out. Um, and then Brantley's personal security guards came down after that. And uh, his personal security yeah, team. Yeah. He has a, a, a couple of personal security. Not that he guards, needs it because he's pretty right. stacked. And uh, Mark, the, the head of the uh, VI, WeFest VIP security, came over and said brantley wants to bring you up on stage with him are you okay with that i said heck yeah (laughs) so so he brings me up on stage um you know you can see that picture of of us on stage he hands me his microphone lets me close out his concert right before zach brown band and just walks off the stage i'm like all right this is awesome so i got to close out his show so what did you do I finished the song. You did? Yeah, of course. That is awesome. And then, and then after the song, I go, what am I supposed to do now? And he goes, do whatever you want. The stage is yours. And he walked off. And so I just sat there and like hung out with the band and uh, <laughs> danced for a couple couple seconds and then got down and went back to the campground and I kept drinking. What <laughs> song was it? Do you remember what it was? Yeah, Country Must Be Countrywide. Okay. Yep. And then as I'm walking back to the to our campsite, people go, God, you sound just like Brantley Gilbert. I go, how drunk are you? Because I do not sound like But so that was Saturday night. And then uh, the picture that, that Kyle just showed was me drinking out of the Stanley Cup. Uh, a friend of mine was line mates and roommates. The guy in the in the lower right corner, right-hand corner there is Matt Green. He played up at UND. Okay. Um, and my buddy Nick Fear was uh, Matt's line mate uh, and roommate back in college. And Matt had won the Stanley Cup with uh, the LA Kings. And so Nick met Nick at WeFest, um, and we had all camped together. And that year he said, Greener's having a Stanley Cup party after after WeFest, so I'll, I'll stick around for another year. He just got a coaching job up in Canada, so he was heading up there. And I go, dude, can I please be your plus one for the Stanley Cup party? Because one of my goals in life was to drink out of a Stanley Cup. And, uh, and is now correct me if I'm wrong, but when they win the Cup, doesn't each player get it for like a 24 week? hours. 24 hours, okay. Yep, every... Every player, coach, and member of the organization um, gets gets the cup for twenty four hours. And the the team plane flies it around, or what? 
I don't think it's a team plane. I think it's the NHL plane. Yep. Yeah, because the the keeper of the cup is with with the cup with the gloves and all yeah. that. Wow. So we were hanging out with that guy. How um, like you must have got goosebumps. It was awesome. What a yeah. fun life that guy has. Yeah, he's seen some crazy. <laughs> he just travels around with the Stanley yeah. Cup and goes to parties. Yeah. And so I Saturday night I was up on stage with Brantley Gilbert. Yeah. Monday night I was crushing Coors Light out of the Stanley Cup. I get back to work on Tuesday. And I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like just depressed. I go, how can I ever top that? And yeah, like, you can't. I, I don't. I don't know what I'm gonna. That was a, at that at the time that was a pretty good forty eight hours. <laughs> so I, I couldn't complain about that. Oh, well, but, hopefully you'll be talking about boots and back straps for the rest of your life. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Add this to his uh, resume. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. So TK, did you you guys? Um, did, uh, how many times did you have Brantley up there? Um, in the 35, I think we had them three times. Okay. Three. I could be wrong, but we do have a reference. I've heard he's a good dude too, though. Yeah. Yeah, they all are. You know, we have a reference that's behind uh, Ryan back there. Yeah, we Joe, have, can you grab that quick? We have a poster of the first 25 years of the WeFest. People ask me about artists and what year they were there, and I have no idea. I was kind of surprised I remembered Tim McGraw the year that George Strait was there. Yeah, that's the one. And yeah. Toby Keith. Yeah, bring it right can, over here to Tom's side, please. I can never remember. It's kind of a blur. They all yeah. blend together. Well, when you've done so many of them, and you have, what, you know, 10 or 12 artists, more than that yeah, every year. In Thank the you. old days, back in the 80s, we started before noon. Forgive me. Uh, yeah, turn it the other way, the folks, way she gave it to you. You folks in the crowd, I guess I'll hold it here and you read it. Well, well, I don't, I'm not going to read everything on there because no, otherwise no. we're going to burn a lot of Ryan's time. But you can see that there are, you know, we'll just do some quick math. What was that? That's Ryan's department. 91? But this is five by five. So 25 years of WeFest on there. Yeah, where's the... That's right, right? 25? Five by five? Yep, yep, yep. According to my math. Yeah. <laughs> I got to double check, you know. <laughs> 2002. Just I'm going to hold this close to you. Toby and... Keith, Martina McBride, Brooks and... Oh, is Brooks and Dunn. That's, that's oh, okay. Um, Alabama. Trisha Yearwood, Sawyer Brown, Blackhawk, Jody Messina. I mean, that's a great lineup. Just, oh yeah, just in those right there. That was that was the year that I was there, 2002. Because 2002, Brooks, it was Brooks and Dunn Miss that, Jill? that uh, closed out Sunday night. Okay, not not uh, not George Strait. That was my bad. A king of country music. He's my favorite. I mean, I I like a lot of country, obviously, like you. Yeah, but he's definitely the top of the food chain for me. And he's coming George Strait, my idol as well. How many times has he been up at WeFest? twice okay when he first he's a great story about george Strait, by the way yeah, let's hear it which story <laughs> like the first time that you had him there he told me about the whole thing first time we had george there mm -hmm. i'm sorry give me another clue oh just about how humble he was oh absolutely he still is and you were talking about how how you'd want to maybe have him back and oh well both times he was there he after he was done, you know, everyone wants to meet George Strait. He walked right up to me and just shook my hand and said, boy, that was great, and I'd love to come back. And both times I said, well, you don't have to twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I would have him back every year. Uh, but he had retired, you know, and that last time we had him here. And so we brought George Strait out of retirement. I mean, he still does shows, but he kind of 
officially retired. He wasn't like having tours anymore. Right. He just played gigs occasionally. Yeah. And uh, one of the fun stories was someone else we brought out of retirement was Alabama. You know, when we first did the WeFest in 1983, you know, we got our heads together and he says, well, we got to blow this out. I mean, we got to do this right. And I said, well, the only band that we got to get is Alabama. If we can get Alabama, we're going to blow it out. And we we're just a bunch of young guys running around. Not We didn't know what we were doing, quite frankly. Just country music fans, right? Yeah. And uh, we were hiding. I don't, I don't know. I don't know going to the logistics, but we got Alabama. And we got them because they're just the greatest guys in the world. And so in 1983, man, they're out there. I got right in the front row. And I just watched the whole. I nice. forgot to get back up on stage to close it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I'll always remember, and I've told the story on stage a hundred times, there was this little guy. Was Randy looking at you like, uh, you're supposed to be Randy, up here? <laughs> Randy wasn't even involved then. This is pre-Randy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeff Krieger and uh, uh, Terry McCloskey and Szynski, the Mattress Factory. That's a story in itself. And Cheryl Sparks, uh, myself. Um, no, I'm talking about Randy Owen. Randy Owens. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Randy. Uh, Not WeFest Randy. Yeah. Alabama Randy. <laughs> Forgive us. Why would WeFest Randy be standing on stage? <laughs> um, Randy Owens uh, was absolutely the nicest guy I've ever met. One of the still probably today even though it's been many years since I've seen him, absolutely one of the kindest, givingest, generous guys, and so talented and so fun. Rand, they were doing mountain music. Yeah. You know, they're big, big deal. Still I now. I mean, all, all, and by 83, because they started out around 79, 80, and by 83, they've had a number of hits. And, That's about when you started out, isn't it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they started, they kicked into mountain music, and right in front of the stage, there was this little kid was tall and skinny and just looked like a, a hillbilly boy out of the Blue Ridge Mountains. You know, he was flopping his arms around and Randy started laughing. He couldn't, <laughs> couldn't continue. So they stopped the song. <laughs> he, he just reached down there and the security guys helped, brought him up on stage and then he kicked into mountain music again. And the whole time they played mountain music, that little kid was out there just throwing his arms around and kicking. No rhyme or rhythm to him. He just kicking up, and everyone was just dying. And I know the kid, and I knew his mother and father. They were workers at the WeFest. And I watched that little kid grow up, and now he's, I think he's, I think he's gone. I think he passed away a few years oh, ago. Oh, that's too bad. And watching, and we always, every time we saw him, we told the story of him in Alabama up on that stage, just lighting it up. And Randy Owens laughing so hard. You had to stop the song and start over again. I mean, those were some of the first memories. And forgive me if I drifted off the topic. No, you're um, you're allowed rabbit holes on this yeah, podcast, yeah. bro. <laughs> That's a good story. We uh, great memory for that guy too. Uh, we needed uh, someone big, so we Alabama was kind enough to come all the way up to the North Country and perform at a, an event that wasn't proven. Yep. But because they were there. All of a sudden, we were on the map. You're on the map, yep. We were on the map big time, and I mean, we had Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash. Um, I'd have to look at the <laughs> the banner again to see uh, some of the other acts. Hank Williams Jr. I think a Hank Jr. was only there once, and oh, my okay. goodness, I mean, he was there the last year I was there, uh, my thirty fifth year, 
Um, but he, as much as I love his music, he's a, he's a little bit to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell that just from, um, let's just say I would never pay specifically to go to one of his shows after, yeah, he had, after seeing what I saw at WeFest. His, his shows got good, better. But, um, Okay. He got a lot of grief from a lot of people, and he grew and he matured, and uh, he uh, liked to sit down and just jam out all his songs. People wanted to hear those great Hank Williams Jr. songs, and he would just kind of jam them in and jam them out. You know, he did more shows than anybody on tour. I mean, he was doing a show like every other day. I was of gonna say year. he was doing a couple hundred a year, wasn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons he wanted. That's a lot of drinking, man. <laughs> He was hitting it hard, too, every night, I bet. It made me feel like a lightweight. <laughs> well, I suppose as long as we've got Hank Williams Jr. on the slate, I'll tell you the Hank Williams Jr. story. He was paranoid. He had been drinking all day, and it was just time to come out. And he uh, was in one of the campgrounds, and he came out, ran down the ditch, and jumped into a highway patrol car. What? I'm telling you the truth. He thought someone was out to get him. And uh, let me back up. He was not in the campground. I'm thinking of someone else. We had a helicopter pad. He came in. They picked him up where he was staying, landed him in a helicopter pad, got out of the helicopter, ran down into the ditch, up the other side into a squad car, and said, take me backstage. <laughs> and the cop was like, what? And so he did, you know, he got the out. The cop recognized him, obviously. Yeah, and he said, I'm Hank Williams Jr. He recognized him and drove him backstage. So he was feeling a little paranoid for some reason and uh, got on stage and did what we said he was going to do. Just jammed out all the songs. He was just drunk and crazy. And yep. uh, the show wasn't good. And he pulled one of his guys that was on the keyboards and booted him off the piano. And he started banging on the piano, took his shirt off shooting his guns and he was out of control yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the people were booing so it was a long long time probably 30 years before we had him back yep but i don't yeah. like to speak poorly about anybody i mean that's hank williams jr yeah he's a wild rowdy and crazy no guy. but it happened right it's yeah. a story it's a story it's an experience and i guess i'm not speaking poorly about him because my goodness didn't we use the Hank Williams Jr. songs in our show for many, many years? Well, I tell you what, we, we've come light years in how country music is perceived. And one of the ways that we've done that, Mr. Ryan Pilgrim, yeah. is there's an organization locally yeah. that's helping to bring country artists, uh, country bands together. Yep. Midwest uh, Country Music Organization, right? Correct. Yep. So if you could, I, I'm really uh, excited for you to talk about that because I know I had kind of a small part in it for a moment to help with some of the events and things like that. It was lots of fun. Yeah. Which we appreciate. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I just think it's a super, uh, it's a super valuable tool for local artists and bands to help grow their uh, passions and advance their careers. And to like you, like you've said so many times to collaborate with other artists. Yep. So maybe if you can talk to the inception of this MWCMO. Yep. Um, and how that whole thing kind of came together. Yeah, so it started, I want to say, three years ago in um, Ellie Gilbert at the time, Ellie Grack now, uh, her her basement. Right, recently um, married. Yeah, uh, Pete, our, our mutual friend PT, um, somebody had came to came to him and said, there's a there's a need for this. And 
you should do it. And PD does, you know, okay, well, we'll give it a, we'll give it a try. And there, there was a handful of us. He's a wild guy. <laughs> that, right, that were involved from the beginning. And it, it started out, um, there was a need for venues and artists to be connected or put in touch in a better way than going through an agent or an agency. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the first giving artists a little more control, right? Yeah. And, and even the, even the, um, the venues, right? So if a venue needed a place on Friday night and it's Wednesday, how can they find somebody, get their message out to say, what's, Hey, we need a country act Friday night. Here's the time. Here's, here's the amount. Who's available. Who's available, mm-hmm. right? And that's not easy to do unless you have no. a forum where you can put everybody in contact. So that's kind of how it started out. Um, and it and it evolved into more of uh, a community for, for artists. And we're working on the business side yet. We started with the, with the artist side and then, you know, we'll roll it out to the to the fan side as well. But it, it got to a point where, right now, where uh, it's a good community for artists to collaborate mm-hmm. and to, to learn and... Um, talk mentor all of just get in touch from for artists all throughout the midwest and um right now i think we have a little over 150 members maybe 160 or 170 i, I don't know the, the total count yet but um we we had our second annual award show last year a, a year ago this weekend actually and right. um we used to be called the midwest country music association but there is another Smaller entity, entity. <laughs> yeah, entity with with those initials. Who, after our our second award show, it got such good traction. Um, they sent us uh, a very friendly letter um, mm. through through their rep, you know, council representation that we like but don't like what you're doing. Yeah, that uh, that we cannot use uh, a certain letter uh, or a certain abbreviation in our organization. So we we changed it up to the to the country music organization. But it, it's really uh, a a place where artists can uh can get put in touch with with each other if someone wants to put out an album you know what's a good recording studio we have partners with recording studios i i'm terrible because i don't know all the names off the off the top of my head of the businesses that we're involved with but um and there's quite a few right yeah and we just revamped our website so our, our website now lists all of our uh business partners sponsors um we got a really good sponsorship from from tito's from from jack daniels from um maury's uh subaru uh from treasure island um they're a good partner we had the award show the last two award shows at the medina entertainment center they've been a a great partner um but and then the the day of the the weekend of the award show we have uh kind of a a conference if you will the day before yeah i was gonna say because it's not just this like production where you're handing out these trophies, right? right? Yep. It's, it's a, it's, it's a weekend event. And yeah. the, the Saturday, I mean, it, as much value as the award show brings for the artists on Sunday, the Saturday is where they can sit down and have one-on-one sessions. Um, we had just some breakout sessions, the legal side of things, copyright, you know, how do you handle that, that sort of stuff. Um, had a radio panel for some of our, our local radio stations, um, you know, through with with it was Intercom, iHeartMedia, Talent Square Media. We had representation from from all the big ones just to give our our member artists an idea of what it takes to get their music on the radio and, and get some playtime. So, um, and there was um, I remember there being some pretty big names flown into town for some of these forums. Yeah, right? and and then there's a, a songwriter forum where we brought people in from Nashville wow. that did a weekend series um, of of songwriting with 
you know, whoever, I think there's maybe 25 or 30 of our members that signed up for that. Um, one of the, the really, and that was, I think it was low cost or no cost for members, right? It, it was, it was low cost. Yeah. yeah I think super it was 20, low. 20 bucks or something what? like that. So, <laughs> to like have a yeah. session with a Nashville songwriter. A couple of them. I think we brought three, three in each wow. year. And, um, Jan Edwards is the, is the person who sponsored that. She's a, a, a big proponent of, uh, country music and especially, the local scene here and her, She's got her a private studio. Yeah. That's where it was at. Yep. Um, and her foundation Beautiful. and everything and, and she sponsored it. So we're very grateful for, uh, for Jan's involvement. Shout out um, to Jan, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a plug in the yep. first podcast. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, we, we, you know, in Nashville, they have writers rounds at a bunch of the, um, the, the venues down there. And so we, we did kind of a, a similar thing where we would have one artist be the the host artist and they would bring one or two other people with them and it was just an acoustic set um usually on a on a weekday night so it what didn't cut into their uh their performance time on a Tour friday schedule. or saturday yep yeah. um and it it didn't take away from a venue either right of you know a, a big night for them to have a full band so um that was very successful um and then obviously COVID hit and we had to, to reel everything back. So our, our plan um, as things start ramping back up is to get into those, the, the writers round thing where you can do that, you know, with acoustic, like acoustic artists. So you don't break the capacity of rules or anything like that. And you can mm -hmm. do that on a, um, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night type of thing. So, yeah. um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just helping our, helping local artists out is really, and, and I shouldn't even say local. It's it's helping any artist out, um, you know, throughout the Midwest or anywhere. We won't turn anybody down if they're in. We have I think a couple members from Texas. There are a handful of our members that live in Nashville, um, all throughout the the U.S. It's just a organization of people helping people and trying to advance everybody's music career and help people out as much as possible. And and uh, we should give a shout out to the other board members. I know you mentioned PT, yep. and of course you mentioned Allie. Yep, and then uh, Bob Keasley. Yeah, Bob. And uh, uh, Matt Gronke. Yeah. Our, and Matt's the newest guy, right? Yes. Yep. And so it's been uh, the five of us. And, and Allie just recently um, resigned. And I, I should, so right now it's it's PT, myself, Matt, and Bob, mm -hmm. um, and Drew Sherman from Maiden Dixie. Um, he, he was one of the original founding members and founding board members until yep. uh, he and his family moved up to Alaska. Which I was going to say, didn't cool. he go to like the tundra? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he and his and his wife and their daughter moved up to Alaska. So so Drew and I have like an interesting connection. How's that? So back in my performance days, I did live performance years and years ago. And the band that I founded, because I was the lead singer and founder of this band that was called North Gone South. And North Gone South, when I like left and a few of the other members that were kind of part of the core North Gone South group, Erica Hansen. Yep, I know her. Was the female lead for North Gone South. Okay. That's how I met her. She's one of our, our mem musician members of the. She is. Yep, yep. And we're hoping to get her on here at some point. Nice. So, yeah, I, I haven't called her yet. So now she's going to know because she'll see <laughs> right, this. But, yeah. yeah, she's going to be on my call. She's probably like, why haven't you called me yet? <laughs> so anyway, so she was the female lead for this North okay. Gone South project. And then um, after a few of us left, um, Drew and some other folks that were from, is it Rand McNally? Okay, yep. I the, uh, or no, McNally Smith. Sorry, not Rand McNally. I was going to say, I know that name, but uh, <laughs> McNally Smith, local okay, music gotcha. uh, school. Like oh, yep, Jesse yep. Becker and Drew and uh, John and uh, Channing. Ch yep. So, like, all those guys were all McNally Smith okay. musicians. I didn't know that. 
yeah, that's kind of how I think, I don't know if they were all there, but a majority of them were. And so when they came in, they changed the name from North Gone South to Maiden Dixie. So you're really like, I'm like, fo- I'm grandfather. <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's I'm like Godfather Maiden Dixie. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's hilarious. So incidentally, we had a show which you were at um, called Jack Friday. Yep. And we had Maiden Dixie awesome. headline Jack Friday. And it was really cool to like, because I knew Jesse outside of like the Maiden Dixie thing a little bit. And so we got the chance to like sit down and just reminisce about that transition yeah. of North Gone South to Maiden Dixie and Drew and like all that stuff. So. That's very cool. I've never heard that story before. Yeah. It's that's awesome. Kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, this is like you know, 2005, 2006, 2007, it was North Gone South. And then after that, it changed to like Brandon Backstrom, who's now with Bob FM. Um, he is okay. on their homegrown yep. show, I think. Yep. And so Brandon Backstrom was the rhythm player and the like latest, the oldest iteration of North Gone South okay. as a transition to Maiden Dixie. And that's how I met Brandon too. So. Nice. Well, and Maiden Dixie did very well for themselves. They, they yeah. were even up on the WeFest yep. stage uh, a, a couple of times, yep. a yep. couple of years, I think. And yeah. the, the main stage, they, I know they, they headlined uh, the, the pre-party up at the, the barn stage a couple nights. And then they also played the main stage. That was well. a huge deal. Uh, the barn show. That was awesome. Oh my goodness. Tuesday, Wednesday nights was crazy. Oh, <laughs> like people were drinking and carrying on on a Tuesday night. <laughs> we got there at Tuesday morning at 9am. The diehards would get there on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> like Ryan for a concert that started <laughs> Thursday night, <laughs> you'd wake up Thursday morning. You go, oh my gosh, I feel like crap. The concerts haven't even started yet. <laughs> I used like to be able to party pretty good, but I was always tipping my hat to the people that came to the WeFest. I don't think I could ever have accomplished, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm like, oh, I'd be out of breath. Yeah, it it, it, it was a marathon not a sprint let's just put it that way yeah that's a that's That's you have to have that mentality too yeah because when you're sort of like younger and you know inexperienced we'll say that's probably the most pc way of putting it yeah you kind of turn the gas on too hard too fast right and which a lot of people do and i'm guilty of it as myself (laughs) tuesday night you go balls to the wall and then wake up wednesday and concerts haven't even started for another day yet we still got four days ahead (laughs) (laughs) but then you dial it down a little bit on wednesday and then uh yeah go, for go those ahead. of you that are listening that don't drink tomorrow morning when they get up that's as good as they're gonna feel all day long right right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> that's true <laughs> where did i hear that quote before <laughs> i've heard that before too but it's funny every time yeah <laughs> i loved uh you had a meme at one point or just a post on facebook that said you can't you can't day drink if you don't start in the morning. Or no, something. no, no. Hey, come on. I'll get this right. This I'm, is, this I'm going to butcher it. This is one of my famous <laughs> sayings. It is one of your famous sayings. Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. See? Isn't that great? <laughs> and that's a fact. It is. Otherwise, it's just afternoon drinking. Also, just as a sidebar, because I'm going to take a rabbit hole here for a second. Yeah, yeah. Your video that you put yours. up. Your video that you put up where you uh, uh, iced yourself, I've shown like 10 people. Like, this is the funniest thing you'll ever see. Watch this. What video is this? You iced yourself. When? It's like the video is you like, oh, I got to get something out of the cabinet. And you open the cabinet door and there is ice in there. Okay, and then you're like, oh, who did this? That was, yeah, that was when COVID started, when we were at home. That's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, we all had to party by ourselves. In our, and then you kneel down and you smash that thing right yeah, there on the video. That's right. It was well, awesome. So the reason I asked the, the question is, it, again, at WeFest, there was, one night that I set a Schmirnoff ice bottle underneath one of our lawn chairs the night before to try to ice somebody. Yeah. And 
nobody saw it or whatever. The next morning at, I think it was at nine o'clock or nine thirty, I wake up, I go sit down in the chair and knock the bottle over. And I actually did <laughs> ice myself unintentionally. And I had to slam a shimmer off ice at, you know, nine thirty in the morning. At WeFest, so that's a good way to get the day started. So for I'm gonna those be, uh, viewers that don't drink, I was gonna explain say, what is ice your salt. Yeah, I was gonna say you gotta so, help TK. Yeah. Out so it, it, you, <laughs> icing yourself is not the way the game is played, but <laughs> it's it's a Smirnoff ice, and you you're supposed to hide it somewhere, and whoever sees the bottle of Smirnoff ice first has to drink it. Oh, the whole bottle? And, yeah, and so right. my, like my, you're gonna kneel down. The, and... the, the official rules are you have to get down on one knee and slam it. Yeah. Not everybody does that, but right. for example, my my friend Abby, we were at um just a couple weeks ago at Kona Grill in Eden Prairie, and since we couldn't meet uh, each other before Christmas because everything was closed down, we did you know exchange gifts or whatever in January, and open up my Christmas gifts. There's a bottle of Smirnoff Ice sitting in the box, <laughs> and so at Kona Grill, I go, well, I know the rules, and I I slam it every time. I go. If you're gonna dish it out, you gotta be able to take it, right? Yep. So I got down on one knee and cone a girl in front of everybody and just slammed a schmear off. Good for ice. you, man. <laughs> I, have a, I have a great story, not to try and top yours, but I have a great story for you too with the ice. So uh, I was in uh, this buddy of mine, uh, Billy Bob's wedding. And this is uh, not last summer, but the summer before uh, Billy Bob, William Robert, and Greta got married. And uh, I was the second to last grooms in, in the line of like five. And I made this plan with the groomsmen ahead of time. I was like, I'm going to ice him while he's on the altar. <laughs> like, I cleared it with the wife. I cleared it with the bride first. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's dangerous. That. That's Without dangerous. him around, I went to her and I was like, are you going to be okay if this happens? And she was like, "That that's epic. You have to do that. And I was like, all right. So what I did is I had it in my jacket pocket. And, you know, we walk up the aisle. I got the bridesmaid with me. And I go up to my spot. And everyone's in their spot. And it's the music. And everyone's standing in their rows, you know, like yep. they do. And then everyone turned toward the pastor to do the ceremony. And then at the predetermined time, because I conspired with the other groomsmen and we decided yeah. it was going to happen. I pulled the thing out of my jacket subtly. So the audience is to my left and I hand this bottle to the groomsman in front of me. He keeps it on his right to the next guy, to the next guy. And then when uh, to the best man and when Billy Bob turned around to get the rings, he had the ice in his face. That's pretty epic. I will yeah. say that's yeah. amazing. Did he get down on one knee and slam it? He did it right there yes. on the altar. Awesome. Yeah. That's a pretty good story. Some, I'm sure that somebody's got on video. I was, was going to say, I hope somebody has that on video. <laughs> and, a, uh, and somebody that might be a novice to all that you're saying would like to know maybe how big is that bottle? A regular bottle. It's just a 12 ounce bottle. Like that. Yeah. 12 ounce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just like a bottle of beer, but yeah, I will say slamming it is not, I mean, it doesn't really taste. It's great. like all sugar and malt. Yeah. Oh, it's it's pretty hardcore. But I will say also when there are times when at WeFest when you've been drinking all day for three days straight and you feel like crap, like, all right, I'm just going to ice myself. You slam one of those and go take a nap. Come back from no, the dead a little no, bit. No, then you feel good. You're like, all right, now I'm ready. <laughs> now I'm ready to go for the rest of the afternoon. And this is at one, you know, like 1 p.m. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> you're learning why you shouldn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's a fun game though it is a fun game especially when you get people in like creative ways yeah it's super cool which like i said when abby got me so so i got her a couple of years ago the same way at um it was at the west end whatever that that bar is that has 100 beers on tap i can't oh right what it's called yeah, but I can't um, think of it. uh 
I got her there and she was really mad at me. I go, Abby, you know the rules. Mm-hmm. And I made her get down on one knee and slam it there. So she's uh, just paying me back for, for getting her before. Yeah. You know what they say about payback. <laughs> so Midwest country music organization. So yep. you get this thing, you're, you're, you're doing events. And one of the things that I was going to ask you about is I know that you've expanded beyond just the award show yep. and you know, the sort of like forums and, and the community that's online, but there's other things that are happening like almost weekly. Right. Well, and, and that's or so, pre COVID obviously. Yeah. And the, the organization was never founded to put on events, right? That was never that was never our intent, never, other than the award show. We want to do that to give artists uh, kind of a platform to be shown out to maybe an audience that would not they would not normally reach. It's right? designed to be in digital. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um and so we we started out with um we call them writers rounds now, but it was just uh, I, I can't remember. I think we call it like Midwest country nights or something like that, yep, where, yep. um, where that started, where we just we it was put, like back your barbecue kind of thing, right? It, well, the first ones were at the poor house. Okay. And so, cause Allie worked there. So she had the, the hookup there and again, got, got musicians a good stage there, but then it, that's where it kind of evolved into the, um, the acoustic stuff. And it's more of right, you know, playing your own music, right? The, the stuff that you wrote, yeah, not not playing covers, right? So originals, any, yeah, exposing playing, the audience originals. originals. Yep, yep. Um, and so we we were doing that. I want to say two or three nights a week at different bars and restaurants throughout the Twin Cities, and we had expanded it over into Wisconsin, and I believe we were expanding it down into Iowa as oh, well. Cool. Um, and again, it's not the Minnesota country music organization Midwest. it's the midwest country music organization that's what we want to make sure that it's not just it's not just minnesota folks obviously did i say minnesota again I no 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 you said okay. you said midwest um but i just want to say that for so so everybody knows because mm-hmm. obviously we had to start in minnesota and that's where mm-hmm. our biggest um like membership group is because on the board that, that's yeah that's we're here we live here right um but it's it's definitely not just a, a minnesota thing it, it's for midwest so we're we and after the award show last year, we had um, on the calendar, we were going down to Iowa to kick some things off and then COVID hit. And so we were right at the cusp of breaking into, you know, totally big in, into, an, into another market. Um, and then we were going to go to South Dakota as well. And yeah. we have some connections up in North Dakota. Um, you know, obviously we have connections already in Wisconsin that was already yeah. in play, but um, that that last award show was really about to launch us into that next level. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the rug got pulled out from everybody, not just Everyone, us, yeah. but artists, restaurants, you know, small businesses, everything like that, which, which really sucks for everybody. Um, I mean, I think it was the right thing to do at, you know, at the time to um, the, the two weeks to flatten the curve type of thing. I think it's got a little out of control lately, the last handful of months, but um, yeah, you know, there's, I, there are definitely it's safe to go out now with precaution yeah right um so i think things could be open back up but um you know that that's every individual's opinion on on what's safe and what isn't but uh yeah and it's important that you know that we illustrate that everyone has the right to make those decisions yeah, for themselves yeah, so yep. our, you know what you're talking about yep. is more just about having the opportunity for those folks that make a different decision yeah yeah and um you know Again, I don't. I don't really want to go into this too deeply, but 
telling everybody to stay home is different than allowing people the choice to stay home or go out if they want. Exactly. Right? And, right. And, you can do that, and you can do that safely. I mean, I've been back in the office since June 15th, right? And so um, there's there's safe ways to do it. Uh, yep. I work for a healthcare company, so yep. we obviously are, we wouldn't be sending people back into the office if it, if it wasn't safe. How many days this in 2020 was Walmart closed? Yeah, zero. Right, so. Um, and It can be done. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, so what we're what we're doing now though is trying to um, we dropped our our membership fees down to one dollar for amazing. for twenty twenty one or for twenty twenty and for twenty twenty one. So we give we're giving everybody uh you know free membership because struggling musicians we don't want to take money from people that sure um, that can't afford it and th that's not the point of the organization isn't to run on membership dues anyway right right um, and we want to make sure that everybody you're not going to get rich that way right yeah exactly <laughs> and and we want we want to make sure that somebody didn't lose the opportunity because they couldn't afford the membership yeah. right yeah especially now with with everything that's going on so we want to give everybody the best chance possible um to prepare themselves for the the reopening or relaunching um you know free america whatever you want to call it yeah um I took that word from from Matt Gronke. That's what he always says, "Free America." Uh, but he's a good dude. Now we're we're lining up the um, the writers' rounds to see when we can get those started and when some of the venues will allow uh, you know some artists to to come in and play. Again, only two to three artists, not not full band or anything like that. But um, just to kind of ease back into it, and then we're trying to figure out. Hopefully, we can have the award show back again next year. And at, at that point, we'll include the 2020 and 2021 music because you know not a lot of stuff happened in, in 2020. And yeah. it's not looking like 2021 is going to be great either, at least not the first half Yeah, for, for a lot of folks. So um, we're hoping we can get back into it, though. That was a, a, a topic of discussion, TK. I'm sure you're running into this, too, as you talk to different guests about you know, future podcasts and stuff is just that question of when are they going to get to get out, uh, get to get out and perform again and, and be exposed to their fans again outside of, I mean, there's been a lot of creativity with folks doing the online concerts yeah. where they can still take tips and stuff that way. That's pretty cool. And it start. did you, I do have a question when you're done. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say uh, the online stuff started out really, really big back in March and April. Right. But mm -hmm. I think after a couple months of that, people just got worn out from, from that. And I mean, it's just, it's been a it's taxing tough. time for everybody. Yeah. Right. And so the online stuff is yeah. tough and yeah. it, it, it kind of lost its luster. If you will, the first, the first couple weeks, couple months were good. Um, but then it's, it's kind of, um, tapered off since then so when you're doing video back. chats and you've got a dozen people on there and it's tough. the technology just isn't advanced enough because yeah. if one person coughs, it goes to them. It to them right. and, and there's that slight they delay. get the green border yeah. right yeah. they get that slight delay and uh it's just so tough to communicate yeah. my wife is a school teacher and she has to deal with that all the time uh mentoring at the, my local church and trying to mentor kids yep. in high school it's just like yeah it's tough it, tough tough it's not the same as in person the question i have is what criteria or what is some of the criteria these bands have to achieve to uh win an award at your award show so that's that's a great question um we modeled it after as much after the um the bigger entity as, as possible right mm -hmm. so we we started out with any you can't nominate yourself but anybody can nominate you so it could be a fan 
fellow Another fellow band. musician, anything can can um, can nominate you. We would then tally all the nominations from everybody, and then as as a board have a discussion um, on who we thought was the best fit for each category mm-hmm. right and then once we had that narrowed down to, to four or five people so this was year one then we had all of the the musicians all the members got to vote for each category right so as a board we had no deciding factor in the winner at all right well tell us so what were some of the categories so we had entertainer of the year mm-hmm. um male vocalist female oh, yeah, vocalist similar i yep, see yep all sorts of things um, we had studio producer of the year uh, photographer of the year. Danny G. Yeah, that's right. You should be a member, and then you can can be on the uh, get an award. So if we were um, still doing the Rowdy Cowboy Show, would there have been a uh, slot for us? Yeah, there would have been. All right. I mean, I, well, I think so. I, there probably would have been a, a way to kind of fit us in there. Contributor. Yeah, contributor. Contributor. Yeah, but okay. I mean, like, they need an I, MC I, category. Yeah, right. You know, so you can, wink, so you, wink. So you can get, so you can get in there. Um, yeah, I pre- but, I get like six votes, and five of them will be my family. <laughs> Me and Kyle will be yeah. six and seven. Right. There we go. Yeah. And and so last year we expanded. We did the same thing for the nomination part of it, or, or for the original nomination. But then we expanded it. We have an advisory board as well. With um, there's a there's a handful of industry folks. Um, and when I say industry, I mean radio sponsors yeah. uh music festivals venues uh, um all sorts of, of that stuff that that were involved and we expanded the the final nomination nomination you know like bringing it down to the to the final four or five groups mm-hmm. out to the advisory board as well because um now at that point we were big enough to involve more people and then eventually what we want to get it to is that it's all member driven Okay. All, so members nominate, members vote, and then that that vote narrows it down to the to the four or five final um, candidates for each category, and then it's again voted on by the members. So that's that's kind of the end goal. Once we get to that. So point. did you say you just had your uh, award show last weekend? No, no, a, a year ago. A it year would ago. have been yep. this yep. weekend. Who was right? the uh, Who was the entertainer of the year? Or do you remember? Now you put me on the spot. It's been, Sorry, it's been a, it's been a year. Um, I, I don't know, but Kyle can pull up the website. I it, we have <laughs> we have all of the the winners on the on the. We website. should give Kyle something to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember. Um, it was it was a year ago, and we usually have a good time at the award show. But yeah, it, a good time is had for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, you've been to both of them, right? I didn't. I didn't make last year's. Okay. Um, I'm trying. You to were involved in the first one. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was that. like the red carpet announcer. Yeah. So I like you had a good time at that one, though, right? I did, yeah. yeah. That was a pretty good time. It, there was a, a little bit of an audio mishap and that they didn't have a wireless for me. Even though I brought a wireless, they didn't have a channel for it. And so they had to set me up on a hardwired mic behind the stage. So I was like I remember that announcing to the red carpet from behind the curtain, which was yeah. kind of hilarious when you think about it. Right. Pay no attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it that was, you know, some of the growing pains of the first year, right? Yeah. That we, right. That we just didn't know. And oh, it's fine. And then you last, roll with it. Last year. You know, we we improved some stuff, and we were set. I mean, last year's show was was really really good. Um, Allie was a producer; she did a phenomenal job on that. Um, and we were set to ramp it up even further this year. We're supposed to be tomorrow. Was supposed to be the oh, show. Oh, it's supposed to be tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, virus. but yeah, yeah. Then everything kind of took a turn, but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, the winners for because uh, it goes by those individuals for 2019. So the 2000 
2020 award ceremony was for those in 2019. Yep. The entertainer of the year was the Plot Hounds. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, guys, as much fun as this has been, I think we got to bring this plane in for a landing. You know, this has been fun. This is, uh, Can you ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is our inaugural our inaugural show, and uh, I've sure enjoyed having you here, Ryan, listening to your stories and uh, admiring your boots. And <laughs> when when I come back, I'll uh, I'll, I'll get redemption. Yeah, I was just on gonna that say one. we. I feel like we the, the New Balance scratched. shoes are. I don't know. This, the show is called Boots and Backstraps. I don't know. I got a pair <laughs> of boots only, on. Only one person is wearing. <laughs> <laughs> like oversight. Oops. In my defense, I was leaving the house half awake this morning to get to the it. gym. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, uh, but no, we, we barely scratched the surface, yeah. Ryan, on like all the different stuff that we can get into with you. And so we hope that you will come back to do it. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank, thank you very much you bet. Uh, for the hospitality and for having me on your, your first show. Uh, it's a, it's an honor to be asked. So, th- so I feel I right at home it. doing this because, you know, all my life. Because it is your house. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, we always got the drink when we work. We were one of the very few people. Except, paid to drink. Except for the it's people who work at the post office. You know, we got the. <laughs> We got the drink while we worked, and it's kind of oh. fun sipping on some good Jack Daniels while we're uh, sharing stories and uh, yeah. talking country music and talking yeah. talking hunting. Wow. So, this Ryan, great. yeah, Ryan, real quick before we uh, let you get out of here, yeah. where can people find you? Um, Well, a couple couple places. Uh, At the bar? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm getting. Not right now. You. Not right now. <laughs> um, so I, I own a, a website called Minnesota Country dot com um mm-hmm. that's one of the the local websites here uh i have plans to i'm, I'm starting a, a nationwide version uh, okay which is it's called the country compass um and I, I need to kick that off but i have work to do there so um i have that i have uh a website called drinks and gear which i sell uh coors latte bud latte um miller latte th- those types of hats uh and then just facebook instagram twitter ryan pilgrim is I was very original with my handle on uh, something to something funny to choose, but yeah. that's your brand, Ryan, man. Ryan Pilgrim. Yeah, exactly. Brand. Like everyone knows you, yeah. Ryan Pilgrim. <laughs> right. So yeah, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's where I'm at. Okay, cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for our first episode yeah. of Boots and Backstraps. And uh, as Ryan has already pointed out, you can actually catch our podcast on Facebook and uh, Google Play and on. Um, all the uh, Apple podcasts, all the like audio and video platforms, YouTube, Facebook, YouTube, yeah, you'll Spotify, Apple, Google, all the things. Yeah, Danny's nice. all over it. So you'll you'll see us on all of that stuff, and uh, and you can also, if you have a question for us or even for our guests, you can send an email to bootsandbackstraps at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll even uh, go through those and potentially feature a question or two on these weekly podcasts. So next week, oh, very cool. Next week, we're gonna uh, be joined by. Heidi. Uh, Heidi, yeah, Heidi Owens. Heidi Owens from Hitchville, long, long time friend of mine. Used to work with Heidi before she started singing. Uh, maybe we'll get her to bring some of the, you know, she has a couple of CDs of her own. Okay. You know, she started singing with Boogie Wonderland, and she's been singing for years. We've had her at the Wee Fest at least a half a dozen times. Yeah. Her and uh, Matt. Her and Matt. Hitchville. Hitchville, yeah. God, they, they just, their harmonies are wonderful. I love listening. Both incredible to singers. Mm-hmm. You bet. Heidi's going to be with us and we'll have a lot of fun with her. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for the next few weeks, well, I think every week, we're going to have some of the most colorful country music people and uh, hunting people. You're going to enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed our first 
podcasts. A little sketchy here and there, but you know, we'll get the hang of it. Maybe we'll have to drink more. I don't know. We'll we'll find the right formula. Not gonna drink any less, that's for sure. I'm uh sure happy that Ryan was here to share our first podcast. Yeah, thank you. And uh Shane, you're a quarterback, man. You know what you're doing. I I'm impressed. So uh say everybody, whether you're belting out your favorite country song or you're out pursuing your favorite game. Use that same passion that you do that with to pursue the Lord. He'll help you to shoot straight. We'll see you next week. Honey's on, looking for backstraps, way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps.